and welcome to the Todd Pod, a podcast to support itinerant teachers of the deaf and hard of hearing, SLPs, and other deaf education professionals. I'm Deanna Barlow from Listening Fun, and today we have a special guest, Michelle from Mama Who Hears. Thanks so much for being here, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be so much fun. Yes. Can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I am a pediatric audiologist. I've been practicing for almost 15 years now. And I grew up hard of hearing myself. During COVID, I was missing my patients, or actually during my second maternity leave, I was missing my patients. And just the connection between them, their parents, and I thought, huh, what if I started sharing some personal experiences to be able to help those patients or those little kiddos by way of helping the parents. So I firmly believe the environment you grow up in is going to affect you negative, positive, however, which way. And if I could affect that or influence that environment for the kids a little bit, then all the better. Because I know my mom didn't have Google, didn't have Mm -hmm. any community resources to lean on when she was a hearing mom of a deaf and hard of hearing kid herself. And I'm thinking, what can I do? What can I do to support that mom? What can I do to support that little little kid, Michelle? And Mm -hmm. that's how my community was kind of born. Yeah, I feel like it's so helpful to follow you on Instagram because you have like all the audiology information, but then also like the lived experience information. And it's just like a double whammy of helpful information. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's what I'm hoping for. So this podcast is mostly for teachers of the deaf. So I'd love to hear a lot about like your education experience and like if you had a TOD and what school looked like for you as a child growing up uh, with hearing loss. So I first I got identified with mild hearing when when I was about three to four years old, my mm-hmm. preschool teacher said to my mom, Michelle is kind of sneaking off during story time. She's not doing anything bad, but she's humming to herself where she's reading her book on her own. I think she's having trouble hearing me when I'm reading the story. And my mom was just flabbergasted because I was conversing in English and Chinese. I was, you know, learning how to read. I was talking and she thought maybe it was my brother who wasn't very talkative Mm -hmm. himself. Uh, But no, I had mild hearing levels and I don't remember anything in school until maybe third grade. So I know in first grade, I had another sudden drop and my mom sat next to me in, in first grade for like three days. When until um, my teacher, Mrs. Johnson, I'm still friends to her to the, with her to this day. She said to my mom, Pauline, Michelle's going to be OK. Like she's paying attention. She's, you know, on top of it. At, not to minimize it, but we're just learning colors and maybe numbers or whatever. But I do remember my mom had to be my advocate. Yeah. She said, you know, so Kara Flexer was my pediatric audiologist and she was saying, you know, preferential seating doesn't necessarily mean like right in front of the classroom. What mm-hmm. could we even do back then? Notes ahead of time. I did have a Comtech FM system. So a neck loop around my neck, body worn box on me, another body worn box with a wired microphone for the teacher. In first and second grade, I'm like, I do I go up to the teacher? Like, Luckily, I don't think we switched classrooms. The music teacher came to us, so she wore the microphone. And then I think around third grade, we had maybe a special education person. She was not a teacher of the deaf, and she was not an educational audiologist. 
She was someone who helped me charge the FM in the after school, helped me fix it if it was broken. I Did don't, you have a hearing name. aid at that time? I had hearing aids since age three, bilateral. Yeah. There were no closed captions on the television yet or videos. So I remember, you know, the VCR coming in with the TV on a big cart. Everyone get, would get excited. And I would too, but I don't think I ever heard any of the words. Yeah. I just realized last December what Frosty the Snowman was saying because I find there was a closed caption version. So yeah. I don't know. Those cartoons are tricky. They were very tricky and that probably made me not want to go to the movie theaters. I didn't go to movie theaters for probably 15 years. Watching TV shows was hard. I didn't know many of the characters' names unless, you know, my brother told me or if it was written somewhere. I did go to speech therapy at school with maybe two or three other kids, but my mom really, really had to be an advocate for me, telling the teachers, this is what my audiologist said. This is how the FM system works. This is what you need to buy for her. So nothing was set in place. I don't even know if I, I must have had an IAP. Honestly, this is something I've heard a lot from people who are like around your age that their parents were the ones doing the advocating and that they were it was not like unofficial, but it was a lot more like the parent just like telling them what to do and then them doing it. It wasn't like as formalized as it might be now with teachers of the deaf. Back then, we had physicians telling our parents what to do, and then they had to relay that information. There were laws set in place to say, you know, these are the minimum requirements for Michelle. I do remember my teacher putting tennis balls on the chairs after finding out about me so it would be quiet, but that's a benefit for everybody. Absolutely. I did have a teacher who said, I'm loud enough, I don't want to wear this. And either me or my mom said, no, you have to. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that is one of my uh, pet peeve things that teachers say. And then I go into my whole rant about how it's not about volume, it's about clarity, but Um, it is a little frustrating. Mostly gym teachers I get it from, but I do get it from other teachers as well. (laughs) Education and awareness. I didn't realize this until recently. But one of the coolest things about my elementary school life was my principal utilized a wheelchair. So I had disability awareness and inclusivity around when I was younger. And I remember he, you know, took our class out to the parking lot and showed us how he got into his car and how he drove his car without use of his legs. And we were all like, this is so cool. And now this is now we know that how this is a possibility. So I think it might have started or inspired just there are possibilities outside of what we can physically see. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, Thinking back, if you had had a TOD or just like as an adult thinking about it, like what could have a TOD have done to like really support you? Like what would have made the biggest impact, do you think? I think advocacy, learning how to say what I needed to say or learning how to figure out what it is that, that I need. I mean, I meet adults all the time who still don't know how to figure out what they need and they're just frustrated, right? So what are the tools? What are the questions you can ask yourself? What is bothering me? Okay, is it bothering me because why and what would help that situation? So how can I get to that solution sooner? So I don't know if like sometimes in speech therapy, they would do different scenarios, but role modeling, having another person who's potentially been through it or has seen it before, like a TOD or an educational audiologist to be able to talk to about like, I wish my hearing aids were invisible or... Mm -hmm. 
people notice that my speech is a little bit different and it bothers me. You know, mm-hmm. I really think that we did the best with what we could with the tools that we had. I had a carbon paper note taker buddy yes. sitting next uh-huh. to me before. I had cart services in college, high school. I really thrived as a cultural chameleon. You know, looking back, I back then was proud that I blended in with the hearing community. And mm-hmm. now I'm much more, you know, this is what I am. And I would like accessibility. I would like yeah. inclusivity. So it is what it is. I don't have any regrets. I don't, I'm not angry at my parents or anything like that. I am just looking to move forward and to help all of those others either, you know, just stand on my shoulders. This is what worked for me. This is what didn't work for me. How can I get you to that mindset sooner than, you know, going through 10 years of school and only realizing in college that this is available. So social media podcasts like yours are so amazing because it's, you're able to bring resources to people sooner and faster. Yeah, I think that's really the key is like, I think a lot of it does come with maturity. Like a lot of people will get there eventually just being more confident in who they are like as an adult and like growing into themselves. But like we can help them get there faster. Like a high schooler can get there if they're given like the right support when they're younger, if they're never made to feel like having hearing aids or cochlear implants is bad. Like, yes, it's different and that's okay. And that's, it is like that just everybody has things that are different about them and you deserve accessibility. Just like you said, it's not something to hide. It's something to just know what you need and know how to ask for it. And I feel like I see a big difference in kids who have services. I, I work a lot in early intervention because I really love like getting in on like the ground level, but I really see a difference with, yeah, it's just literally like, I feel like <laughs> the kids who have strong services when they're little, like the confidence they have talking about their hearing devices in like third, fourth, fifth grade is just so different. They're so like almost like nonchalant about it. They're like, yeah, I have hearing aids. Like, what about it? Like, mm-hmm. I need to sit closer. I need this. I need that. Like, and they just have like a, like a confidence about them that I admire because I don't think I had that kind of confidence and in third grade about anything. But I, um, I think it's, it's nice that like we can do that so that, like you said, like they, they might get there with maturity, but we can help them reach that level of like confidence a lot sooner if we support them. Yeah. And it's communication, it's community, it's opening people's eyes and raising awareness because everything that's around now, like in terms of disability wise, was around back then, but we didn't know maybe. So we have so many different resources, technology, if you want to use technology, ways of communicating and raising awareness and educating so that we can actually take our minds around it because- Mm -hmm. The biggest struggle is up here. I tell parents all the time, it's harder on you than it is on your kid. Your kid has the tools that they have and they have the life that they have. You are helping guiding a child through a journey that you may not have been through. Mm -hmm. Or if you have been, they're going through the journey with different sets of tools, different resources, completely different environments. And bottom line, completely different parents. I am much a different parent to my children than my mom was to me. Maybe I'm this way because they were that way or in spite of that way. It just is what it is. Yeah. 
Speaking of parents, do you have any tips for TODs who want to support parents? Like usually most of us are working like within the confines of a school system. So it's a little bit different, maybe not as direct, but I know you do do a lot of work in supporting parents, especially of like newly diagnosed children. So I like, I love what you just said, like about that phrasing. I feel like that's really helpful that if you're talking to a parent who's having a hard time, you can use that kind of phrasing when you're talking to them. So if you have any tips for supporting parents, especially for like school age children, I'd love to hear them. Create a safe space for them. Give them time to get comfortable with you. And one of the most valuable tools that you have as a healthcare clinician or healthcare provider is silence, like that comfortable silence where they can feel safe coming to you with what they may think is the dumbest question ever, but it's hindering them from, you know, making a play date with another mom or purchasing, I don't know, a visual board for their kid because they don't want to draw attention to the fact that their family, you know, has a disability or that they are a deaf and hard of hearing family. So giving them a sense of safe community, and it could be open office hours. It could be you're vulnerable with them about something that going on in your life. It could be polling them and asking like, when can we do a meetup? And even if it's like zero attendance, zero attendance, zero attendance, still have it because that could be the saving grace for one mom or dad. Because I know sometimes it's a pain in the butt to organize Mm -hmm. something for everybody and find a time for them all to meet. But when you can create a connection between you and them and then within each other, that's when it starts to come closer, closer together. And I like doing things that don't even revolve around anything DHH. Cool. You want to have a smoothie date? Great. We're going to work in noise. We're going to come up with a whole bunch of different ingredients. We're going to cook something. It's going to be nutritious or it's going to be totally like sugary sweet or whatever (laughs) and they get excited and you know like the little kids will bond or you know they'll find out oh my gosh we both like race cars or we both like kitty cats whatever it is and you go from there so just so much of the world now is child-led well why not why can't the adults be led to you know why Mm -hmm. why can't we be treated like young ones and have fun also because I used to have speech therapy as an adult or a teenager I'm like man this is so boring now now we don't get to play the games (laughs) (laughs) you know Uh uh-huh that's funny well maybe you know people who do adult rehab should get some some games I really love crocheting. Okay, let's do a whole thing around that. Let's have a conversation, whatever. I think that's really good advice to remember that like the parents are like not just parents, like they're individual people Mm -hmm. with their own like emotions and their own feelings and their own personalities. And like they have interests outside of their children. And like it's like that's a lot of good ways to create that safe space with them. And then just to focus on, like you said, like maybe listening more than speaking and just giving them that space to talk. I've also noticed that I tend to be one of those people that like tries to jump in with a solution at every turn. And like, I have to like remind myself they're not looking for a solution in this moment. They're just looking for me to hear them. So I just need to like take a step back and just let them vent or talk or cry or whatever it is. And then when the time is right, we can figure out, we can come to a solution together instead of me just trying to put a bandaid on everything because they are going through their own journey that's separate from what their kids are going through. And we work with children all of the time. Take a look and see if you can step back and look at the child in that parent because Mm -hmm. that's what they're reverting to. Their instincts are still that five-year-old self. 
So if they're along this journey, they're, you know, they don't know how to work an FM system or they don't know how to gracefully yet assertively advocate for their child, teach them and yeah. ask them, like, do you feel un- uncertain how to do this? Do you- would you like to role play? And when the words come out of their mouth with you, they can do it again in another scenario or try out different phrases that they would feel comfortable with, you're that safe tank. Yeah. I find that as like the TOD where that becomes the most helpful is actually for like extracurriculars. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the times if I'm on the team with them, like the child is usually getting services, like, you know, we're like swimming along, we're doing our thing. But then what I actually end up talking to them about when it comes to advocacy, a lot of times is like, hey, like they want to do gymnastics. What do I need to know? Like, what do I need to tell the coach? And like a lot of times they do know what they need to tell the coach, but they just need to like talk it out with somebody first. Like they just want to make sure they're not missing anything. And like earlier, like in my career, I would say like, oh, I'll come with you. I'll talk to the coach. And now I'm like, no, you talk to the coach. I will help you. But mm-hmm. you you have every power you in you to give do them this. a script. Like yeah. how do you want to say, what are the three things that you want? Because sometimes I'll even do it with my husband with a difficult like conversation. I'll be like, hold on, because I'm clear. But then when I'm, you know, in it, I'm like, I just forgot everything I wanted to say. Okay, the three <laughs> things that I want to do are I want to talk to you about this. I want to get a solution for that. And then I want to plan something else. Okay, can we do that now? You know, and like, just, <laughs> just read yeah. it or something. It's super helpful. And like sometimes that's the type of advocacy that they need. It's not even sometimes school related. It's just they want access to all the everything else that everyone else does. But they feel like you said that like resistance. And even if it feels like quote unquote silly to them, like it's just like, like, of course they can do gymnastics. Like, why not? Like they just they just need to get over that mental hump. And then they can advocate for their child to wear the mini mic or whatever like it is that the gym coach needs to do for them to be able to do gymnastics successfully but that's why, I think that's that's why with devices in clinic I am like here you go go ahead and take a look at it and I will do it with my own processor like this comes mm-hmm. off this comes off or you most of the time they're getting two devices so I'll have them model it with me and I said I'd rather have you do it in front of me so I can tell you if you might be going down the path of breaking it or something or break it in front of me so that you can feel like where's the threshold is it gonna yeah new batteries on a cochlear implant processor almost always feel like they're gonna break that first time but guess what you're not gonna do it or if you want me to let me do it so now it's a little bit more warmed up and loose okay go ahead this is how I'm gonna do it I'm gonna take all of these pieces apart you put it together now we've practiced and I'm right here to help you and you can take video or take pictures if you want yeah I actually do that with the kids too, like not taking them fully apart, but like (laughs) just like with cleaning them or like just like knowing what the parts are. Like if this part breaks, what do you do? And like we do it together in like a safe space. So that way they're not just like destroying their equipment, but it's, you know, giving them like permission to like figure it out. And then that way when they have to do it independently for whatever reason, it's not the first time they're like taking that piece off, you know? Yeah. Another thing I love doing is giving parents conversation starters or mm-hmm. role play scenarios slash exercises because most of the time you're talking to mom, right? You, mom mm-hmm. takes this information home to dad and this way they can bond and grow together as a deaf and hard of hearing family or team. Oftentimes, you know, mom's at that appointment. Okay, we're taking a look at this type of hearing. These are the tactics that he or she may need. If you choose devices or if you choose to use visual language, how can we build upon that? And mom goes home and she might not know how to communicate planning 
or, you know, overcoming a challenge together that they've never seen before. So what can I do to bring them together? Because they're the team. It's not, you know, me and mom against dad or anything. My job as an audiologist or a provider is to give you the resources and information so that you guys can make the decisions as a team because you know your family dynamic best. You actually truly know your child best even though I've seen them in this environment so many times, I can give you the factual or the point blank information, but what do you do day to day? How do you tackle and communicate about different scenarios, experiences, challenges? Because that's the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, like how do you deal with, you know, a broken phone or a broken processor is going to help them later in life. How do you deal with a, with a flat tire? Yeah, <laughs> definitely stretch but as a team you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah just dealing with uh mechanical failures as a team <laughs> variety of things that, mi- in it life. Builds that mindset it builds that resilience in your mm-hmm. mentality of okay do I want to freak out about this get emotionally attached about something and then go you know down a rabbit hole of sorrow or do I want to be able to take a breath you know like Daniel Tiger count one two three four uh-huh. <sighs> okay I'm being bullied. It doesn't make me feel good. All right. So what can I do? I can walk away. I can tell a grown up. I can tell a friend. I could say, hey, can you please stop that? I could hit them. I could run away. What is my best choice here? And what, like, based on maybe an outcome of some time that I've done it before, or maybe I role played this with Deanna and I feel pretty good about that one. I'm going to try this choice. Ooh, it worked. Maybe that's going to be my repetitive choice from now on or something. Yeah. I think that's really like a powerful way to think about it because it's, it is true that, you know, there's all these different ways you can respond. And if you practice some of the better ways with therapists or teacher or audiologist, then that might become your go-to when you're feeling stressed in the moment. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Switching gears a little bit because I wanted to make sure we get to this topic. A lot of the times, and we touched on it before, um, when I'm working on self-advocacy with kids like in school, one of the hardest things to work on is answering those questions like, I wish my hearing aid was invisible or is my hearing loss going to go away? Things like that where I want to build up their self-esteem and their self-confidence, but it can be hard and it can be individual. But I was wondering if you had any tips on how like maybe you grew your own self-esteem or how adults helped you or just in general, any tips for helping kids like accept and love themselves. You are such a nurturer, Deanna. (laughs) I go back to my motto, um, meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. Instead of focusing on a solution, see where they are. Okay, you wish your devices were invisible. Why? What would be different if your devices were invisible? Well, maybe Tommy wouldn't be poking fun at me or, you know, Emily wouldn't ask me what it is all the time or whatever it is and say, okay, Got it. So does it make you feel uncomfortable when people ask you? What if they're curious about it because they've never seen what it is? What if it's green and that's their favorite color and they really want one too? And they'll just be like, oh, when they can see and open their eyes to a different perspective is when progress and acceptance can start to grow. I like that specific thing you said, like what 
uh, I can't remember the exact words, but like specifically, like what bothers you about that? Like, why do you feel that way? Because I feel like to the root of seriously, like, yeah, complaint or something. And when people, especially children or the child and mm-hmm. adults, feel seen and heard, is when growth or change can happen. So if I'm stuck in a thought and like I'm going through so much turmoil I'm emotionally attached to the outcome that's not going to happen well if I don't ever talk about that emotional attachment of what it is that I'm upset about I'll never move on so a lot of times parents are stuck in grieving the childhood that they thought their children would have now that they've gotten an identification of deaf or hard of hearing okay Mm -hmm. And parenthood moving so fast can keep them in that grief or that state of being stuck for a very long time. If you talk to them about it and they realize, oh, I'm stuck or I'm holding on to, you know, the fact that my child will, I don't know, never experience this roller coaster back home in Ohio, you know, bad example. Um <laughs> But it's not though, because like I always ask parents, like, um, like what are your hopes and dreams for your child? And like, like what is it you want for them, like in life? And people tell me things that I never would have expected. Like a lot, some people are just, I just want to be happy. Great. Some people, I wanted to go to normal school. I'm like, okay. Like some people are like, I want them to get married. And I'm like, like these are not things that I would have, like, that's not my priority. But like, but like, you hear it all the time and like you can't impose your own priorities on people. So you can't. If that's what's important to them. Like I can work with that. Like if, if your biggest thing is you're afraid that they can't go to normal school like that, I can dispel that belief. We can talk about all the different options. Like if that's what you're focusing on, how was I supposed to know it's what you were focusing on? <laughs> like I, I wouldn't unless I asked. And I guess that works with the kids too, like asking specifically what's bothering them and then addressing that specific yeah. instead of imposing on what you meeting them with. Where they're at because yeah. I had a mom who you know she saw an engagement ring on me and was like oh my gosh and she started crying because and I said what's going on she said that means my son will be able to get married and be loved you know she was stuck oh. on that and I here I am like I'm the kid I'm the deaf kid of a hearing parent like why wouldn't I be able to get married why wouldn't I be able to have somebody to love me but that's what the mom was afraid of and that's her own thoughts projecting onto her son but when I addressed it she was like oh yeah like of course you know you never know and parenting is hard parenting is hard because you have a whole lifetime of challenges that you went through and your ideas of how things are supposed to or not supposed to be and then you have this almost mini me that is taking a life of his or her own and you're like Uh aren't you supposed to do it this way or that way like I read a book conscious parenting where I just re-meet my kids all the time. Like, wow, sure, she has some similarities to me, but dang, she's like so bold and (laughs) funny. Where does that come from? I want to meet this kid again tomorrow morning when they wake Mm -hmm. up. What are they going to come up with? So my job is just kind of like as a healthcare provider to provide information and resources and like safe boundaries for my kids to just grow up to be whoever they were supposed to be. Yeah, that's really powerful. I feel like as 
teachers, it's obviously not the same, but it's really nice to be able to just like help support those kids in becoming whatever they're meant to become. Like, because it's just, especially when you're just there to provide support, like that's part of why I like being like a teacher of the deaf versus like a classroom teacher is that it's all individual. So like, I'm just there to like give them whatever they need, meet them where they're at. Like, and sometimes that's vocabulary practice. And sometimes that's just like a conversation about their hearing aids, but it's nice to just like take it day by day and just like like you said, meet them where they're at and help support them in the path that they're on and becoming who they're going to be. And it's very, it's like special to be a part of that when you really stop and think about it. Yeah. Sometimes meeting them where they're at means hands off. Sometimes it's like, tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do, step one, two, three, four, five. You know, mm-hmm. and so your relationship with each kid is going to be different. Your relationship with each parent is going to be different. And I really feel like it ebbs and flows. Like I've had high schoolers where I like go months with pretty low contact. Like I'm there, like I'm supporting them, but certainly in the background. And then something will happen or we'll be approaching something and we'll have a meeting and all of a sudden I'll be there to support them in a specific issue. Maybe if they're looking at colleges and all of a sudden they're like, wait a second, like I need your help now. Like I didn't need your help three months ago and I didn't want to talk to you, but <laughs> I need your help now. That's their process of also learning like, oh, maybe I should start packing batteries in my backpack or with a certain teacher or, oh, Deanna isn't always going to be available. So what do I do? Can I make my own troubleshooting kit? Can I, you know, I don't know, make sure I charge, put an alarm on my phone every night to make sure that I charge my remote mic or something like that. And communication wise, like, oh, I'm going to make a sticky note because I need to tell my teacher, blah, 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 so that we don't forget this on the next field trip. Like I want to have access. It's definitely true that you learn things like by trying and failing a little bit like I remember this is so random the first time I ever went to like a sleepaway camp it was like a volleyball camp and I had to bring all of my like volleyball stuff like my socks and my knee pads or whatever like to the gym like from the cabin I forgot something every single day of that camp because my mom was so on top of doing everything for me all the time, which I love her for that. Like, thank you. But Mm -hmm. as soon as I had a shred of independence, I was a mess. Like I couldn't do anything. Learn. And I was like 14. I wasn't that young, you know? And it was funny because I was like, wow, like I got to get it together. Like, (laughs) because I really, I was really reliant on the adult helping me and I didn't realize it until I had a little bit of room to mess up a little bit. So I do feel like a lot of TODs struggle with their high schoolers because they don't want the help. And what my stance has always been, I'm there. I'm like in the background and I will give you a long leash, so to speak. Like I will let you try on your own. And if you're successful, fantastic. I will not change a thing. I am just here if you need me. But if you struggle, then we can together look at what happened and figure out ways for that not to happen again. So if you decide not to use your mic, I'm not going to force a 16-year-old to use a mic if they don't want to. But if you get a C in that class and you're not happy with a C, what can we fix? Like, is it the mic? Is it your seating? Is it the notes? Like, we can help them evaluate what went wrong and fix it. Obviously, I would rather prevent I don't want them to fail before I help them. But some kids, they have to go through that to really learn. And that's okay. That's what school is for. But you also need to empower them into wanting it. And 
this is what I love about vision boarding or just talking about future goals with kids because they like, okay, I really want to be able to buy a pink puffy jacket around Christmas time. All right. So what are we going to do about it? We're going to take a look at pink puffy jackets for you and how much are they? Okay. We need to save. What do you think we, how much do you think we need to save a week? Or my kids, you know, oh no, we forgot my kids are five and a half and four. We forgot a stuffy three days in a row. Got it. Okay. Is this mommy's job or is this your job? And mm-hmm. they say mommy's job. And I say, actually, it's your job if you want to have your stuffy. How about we put a sticky note on the door? Did we bring our stuffy? Or we have a note on, I carry all their backpacks and stuff in one giant bag. So it's just one, one thing for me to carry. What do we need to put into our bag? We need our lunches. We need our stuffies. We need our water bottles. And we need a warm coat because it's getting cold now. Okay. And now they start to say, hey, mommy, is everything in there? Hold on. We need four things in it. Okay. What are those four things? And they start to take ownership of it because my mom did everything when I was younger too. I was going to say, your kids will not be forgetting their socks at volleyball. Forgetting their socks. (laughs) Because they are going to learn, they know the sadness that they experience when they don't have a stuffy or if they forget their lunch or something. Because you know what? I'm doing a whole bunch of things for you. And I think one of the best things is letting them struggle and letting them feel like, oh, this is kind of like what responsibility is. It it feels good when, you know, they're beaming like, I got everything I need to go. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Yeah. And I think you're right to do it as young as possible. Like even with our kids, like if they start resisting me in middle school, I'd rather we do this whole song and dance in middle school when the grades don't really matter so much. So that way they try the independence, they see what works, they see what doesn't, and then we adjust from there. And then they learn going into high school, I have the tools to advocate for myself. I know what I need. I know what classes I need the mic and I know what classes I can get away with not using it. And like, hey, if that works for you, that works for you. That's your life, but I am going to be right there watching. And if anything starts to slide, I'm going to be there to help you adjust because when you get to college, I won't be there to help you adjust. So I can't be there to fix everything for you. So the earlier I can start having you take ownership of your learning and have the tools to realize what's wrong and to fix it, that's good. But like you said, sometimes that means they have to forget the stuffy. They have to do poorly on a test. Like It's okay to let go of the control. Yeah enough to let them experience a little bit of consequences consequences or just like pain because like when they forgot the stuffy she was like mommy we forgot my stuffy or I think she might have said you forgot to pack my stuffy and I said Mm -hmm. oh my gosh I'm just so sorry it's making you really sad what can we do about it you know instead of well you forgot your stuffy that was your responsibility instead of making them wrong again yeah meet them where they're at, make them feel seen and heard, not wrong or bad or that they were forgetful. Life happens. Absolutely. I think that's a really helpful way to frame it, especially when you're working with these like soft skills that are no one teaches you how to teach it. You just kind of got to figure it out. And I think that that's a really helpful way to frame it. I have told them like, I want them to have as many challenges as they can while they live under my wing or in my house or however long it is. Cause they're all, I'm not going to kick them out when they're 18. You know, (laughs) what is it that you, what is your goal? Okay. How can I support Mm -hmm. that? And guess what? One large way that I'm going to support you is let's talk about it. What's going on through your brain or your scenarios that you can use your tools and stretch yourself a little bit there. Yeah, absolutely. 
That is so helpful. Before we go, is there any like last minute like tips, advice, resources that you'd like to share with itinerant teachers? Meet your children where they're at. Meet your teachers where you're at. Meet yourself where you're at. If you Mm -hmm. have a whole bunch of kids bailing, don't take it on yourself. Don't think that it's your fault. Instead of think of what you can, what can you do? How can I work together with my team in this situation so that we can all win? Nobody's wrong basically. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. Can you share where everyone can follow you online? Any resources that you have available? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at mama, M-A-M-A dot H-U. That's my maiden name, dot H-E-A-R-S. Same for my website. I have an online resource for hearing parents of deaf and hard of hearing kiddos. I've got cool merchandise. Please check it out and feel free to DM me. Feel free to message me. I love connecting with you all. The merchandise is very cute. You should definitely go check that out. I love I, the pattern that you made is so cute. I love the colors. Thank you. Free shipping <laughs> over order than $75. <laughs> Amazing. I'll link all of that stuff so you can find Michelle if you want in the show notes. All the other links, info, transcripts, all that good stuff will be in the show notes or at listen to listentotodpod.com. Have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Bye. 